that has chosen to, to do this online, and I'm okay with that. I'm just glad they're on here and uh, listening. Appreciate everybody coming out, and uh, I've been looking forward to this this morning, being able to get back in the church before Christmas, and uh, just stand back here behind this pulpit. That little porta pulpit, uh, it's a little shaky, and uh, it, it don't look as good as this one does, but I, I have missed seeing you guys. We're going to be over in Matthew chapter 1 this morning, believe it or not. But we're not going to be doing the begats. I don't think Paisley's warmed up and ready to do the begats yet. Uh, we're going to skip the begats, and we're going to look at a name. And I, I love this. I absolutely love um, the name of Jesus. And when you get into the, uh, to the, the meaning of Christmas, when you get into the meaning of, of Jesus and all the names that he has, Emmanuel, and, uh, I mean, just all the things that he has, we tend to, uh, at Christmas, not think about Jesus the way we're supposed to. Even though we have a slew of names that we're supposed to be uh, using for Jesus and, and things that we're, the names that we're supposed to be remembering at Christmas, but we tend to not think about Jesus at Christmas. We have got so much uh, commercialism and worldly things going on right now that we forget about what what we're, the name that we're supposed to be remembering this time of year. When people say Christmas, what are some of the names that you think of? Charlie Brown? Santa Claus? Clark Griswold? <laughs> Kevin McAllister? Some of y'all get that. That's, that's what we think of. When, we say, when somebody says Christmas to me, or to a lot of other people, we don't think Jesus. That's not what we think. We think of all the things that come along with Christmas, but not the meaning of Christmas. We don't think Jesus. But that's the way we are. When somebody says Christmas, when we get that Christmas card in the mail, or we hear something on the radio, uh, somebody singing a Christmas tune, we ought to automatically think, Jesus, I don't care if it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. When we hear a Christmas song, we need to think Jesus and always think Jesus. It's got to always be in our heart because we have gotten so far away from the meaning of Christmas right now that it is ridiculous. We need to remember that name, Jesus. And right now, what we're in this season that we're in, um, it's a time for us to reflect on that name, Jesus. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at that name, Jesus, and what we are to remember, at, especially at Christmas, when we hear the name Jesus. Matthew shares with us a, a picture of the very first Christmas. So if you've got your Bibles open, you stay in just a moment. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 21, very short. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child for the Holy Ghost. Child of the Holy Ghost, sorry. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. We're really going to focus on verse 21 this morning. Let's pray. Father, this morning as uh, we have come back to your house, Lord, we have come into these four walls, Lord, to worship you. But, Lord, I pray that it's not just the four walls that we're celebrating in, that we're worshiping in this morning. Lord, I pray that it's in our hearts that we are together this morning and we are going to honor you and all that is said and done. Lord, we're going to praise you and all that we can that we do. And, Lord, we're going to... 
Again, we're going to worship you wholly this morning, God. We thank you for an opportunity to come back to your house. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to, to break open the bread of life here and read about the birth of your wonderful, glorious Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray, uh, God, that it would touch hearts today. Lord, it would just move in hearts today. God, I pray that we could just feel an anointing of the Holy Spirit this morning. And I pray, Father, that you would bless this time that we have together. I bless in your Son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. I don't know who put the little red flyers up here, but I'm going to kick them all over the place, I'm afraid. <laughs> They're not here today, that's why. <laughs> the angel. That angel told Joseph what to name that little boy. That angel knew from heaven what this little baby boy was going to be named. And so this angel came to Joseph and said, you're going to name this boy, this is going to be your earthly son. You're going to be his earthly father. And you're going to name him Jesus. And I love, I don't know about y'all's Bible, my, my Bible uh, in verse 21, Jesus is all capitalized. That's bold. That's what that is. That's just bold. That's what's to catch your eye and to let you know this is a big, this is, this is something that's huge that's getting ready to take place. And it's going to cover mankind. This is the greatest thing that's happened to mankind ever. And so it's, it's bold in my Bible. I don't know about yours, but I love it. And, and he said, you're going to name it. The angel said, you're going to name this boy. You're going to name him Jesus because of this. You need a Savior. This world needs a Savior. And if you've ever looked at what a Savior is or what a Savior does, I'm going to give you a couple examples right here. One of them is one who rescues another from distress. I believe that's my Jesus. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's my Jesus. Another example is one who risks his own life to save another. That's my Jesus. And that cross, that's a good example right there of risking one's life to save another. He risked his life on that cross for me and for you. It's cliche, you hear it all the time, but he would have died on that cross just for one of us. But the Bible says he died for all of us. Another example right there is one who saves another from certain death. What is that certain death? That's that physical death and eternity in hell. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here a little bit later. I don't want to jump the gun. So I want to share with you this morning what I'm reminded of when I hear someone say the name Jesus. And I hope that this is what you can hear when you hear the name Jesus. I hope in your heart when somebody says it, I want your heart to, to jump around just like John did in, in the womb of Elizabeth. When somebody says Jesus, I want you to get that good feeling that Holy Ghost feeling on you. I want you to get a smile on your face. I want you to, to be proud and, and to, to, to honor him. Anytime somebody mentions the name Jesus and say, that's my Jesus. He's in my heart. I want you to put a smile on your face when you say it. So number one, I'm reminded of the greatest problem everyone faces. Believe it or not, we've got problems. Anybody here not have a problem right now? I'd love to talk to you. We've all got problems. If I was to ask you what's your, what's your worst problem right now that you're facing, we all have our own. Me, I've, I'm having a bad hair day. Anybody else? <laughs> nope, just me. Just me. Somebody has a, a bad hair day. Somebody else might be sitting there saying, I, I still ain't finished my shopping yet. Probably all y'all raise your hand right now. That, that sounds like a problem. I've got to sit here and listen to the preacher talk about my problems. That's my problem. That's kind of what some of you are thinking. I'm, I'm underpaid, overworked, and underappreciated. That's a problem. 
Or I'm dealing with the death of a loved one right now, and I'm not sure how to cope with it. That's a problem right now. My marriage is falling apart. I don't know how to deal with it right now. That's a problem. My kids are always getting in trouble, and they don't listen to me. That's my problem right now. I feel lonely like nobody cares. That's my problem right now. We've all got problems. There ain't one of us exempt from problems. Those all qualify as problems, but those are not the worst problem that you can have. There's a worse problem out there that we don't tend to think about because those problems I just listed and all that we have are personal problems. But there's more problem, or there's a, a greater problem out there than that. And I'm going to let you know that, that problem right now is sin. That's the greatest problem that we have in this world right now is sin. And we can't get away from it. I don't care where you go, you're going to be in sin. Sitting in church right now. You, you, something's crossed your mind or you've thought a bad thought or you may have even said something bad, I don't know. But we've all sinned no matter where we go. We just cannot get away from it. Matthew tells us the greatest problem every one of us is going to face is that sin. And if you look at it, he says, the last part of verse 21 says, For he shall save his people from their sins. We needed a Savior because of our sins. Because of Adam and Eve, because of what they done in that garden, because they went against God. And when they took of the fruit of that tree, they went against God. And from that point on, we have went against God. Every, everybody in this world, every one of us, I don't care how religious you are, you're still going to sin. We're not exempt from it. Now, there's a Christmas card out there. I'm going to read it to you because I really like this. It says, if our greatest need had been, an, had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was for forgiveness, so he sent a Savior. <laughs> that's, that's it. God could have sent anything to us. But he didn't. He sent what we needed, and we needed that Savior, and that Savior could not be of this earth. That Savior could not be found here. That Savior had to come down from heaven. Jesus himself had to leave the comforts of heaven to come here, be born of flesh, be God with skin on it, and, and tarry around here for about 33 and a half years. That's the only way that we could have a Savior. It had to come from heaven. It couldn't be no little lamb out in the field. That's what the Jews were used to. They'd go out and they'd find them a lamb that was without spot, that was blemishless and, and pure white snow uh, wool on it. Yeah, that's what the Jews used. But do you all know that they ain't done a sacrifice since the temple fell? Well, number one, they don't need to because it's been done. When Jesus died on that cross for us, that was the last sacrifice that was ever needed. But if it was a lamb that was needed to make a sacrifice, they'd have to keep doing it. They'd have to keep killing them, have to keep sacrificing, have to keep burning. They're going to have to keep burning incense. They're going to have to keep burning that meat. But no, God said enough's enough. Here's my only begotten son. This is the final sacrifice that you need. This is all that you'll ever need from this point on. And I know they're, right now they're talking about, over in Israel, they're talking about building a third temple. And once they build that third temple, they're going to start doing sacrifices again. That's just a waste. This right here is irritating me, sorry. That's a, that's a waste because it's not going to do anything. 
That's why Matthew says, verse. I want to read it again because I really like it. It says, for he shall save his people from their sins. What is sin? What is sin? It's anything against God. I can sum it up for you right there. But a guy wrote this one time. His name's John Bunyan. No relation to Paul Bunyan. He said, sin is the dare of God's justice. Sin is the rape of God's mercy. It is the jeer of his patience, the slot of his power, and the contempt of his love. In other words, anything that goes against God is a sin. 1 John 3, 4 tells us, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for the sin is the transgression of the law. What's the first commandment of the Ten Commandments? Anybody remember that one? It's the easy one. Thou shalt not have any gods, any other gods before him, before me. To love someone, to love something more than God. When you put something on a pedestal above God, you have made that a God, and that is a sin. That is against God. I think uh, the person we love the most, though, if you think about it, believe it or not, it's not your spouse. It's yourself. We think of ourselves as number one. <laughs> That's a sin. We have put ourselves above God. I like me pretty good, don't you? I mean, not, you don't have to like me, but you like yourself pretty good, don't you? That, that's how we are. We like ourselves. And when we like ourselves a lot, we have put ourselves above God. And he said, no, you can't do that. That's a sin. Ephesians 5, 29 says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Even as the Lord the church. Psychologists out there, they'll tell us that our problems stem from the fact that we don't love ourselves or we don't love ourselves enough. Well, I will say they are wrong. I think we love ourselves a little too much. I think we like ourselves too much out there. Even the person who says, I have uh, really low self-esteem, I don't like myself. Well, if you think about that, the fact that they just preoccupied themselves with their own self-esteem self, um, self in the first place means that they have some degree of, of love for themselves. I don't, I don't like myself enough. I don't love myself enough. Well, obviously, do you, you think about it, or you talk about it a lot. I, I think about it this way. Whenever someone shows you a photo of yourself, what's the, if they show you a photo, and there's a bunch of people in it, and you know you're going to be in it, who's the first person you go to look at? Who's the first person you look at? Yourself, ain't it? Yeah. Do I look good? All right. Do I look good? That's because we're self-centered. And it's so funny. I'm, I'm talking about this because I was reading. I was telling Maria about it last night. Um, Cove Creek School. This is the 25th. 25 years ago this month, we moved into the new Cove Creek School. 25 years ago, I was the first eighth grade class in the new school. The last six months or five months, whatever, I spent my eighth grade there. 25 years ago. So they had taken and put in all these pictures from the yearbook. They'd put them online last night, and everybody's looking at it. The first thing I'd done, I went to my eighth grade class to see what I look like. And I'm still as ugly back then as I am now. Nothing has changed. Got a little, got a little weight on me. Thank you, Maria. Got a little weight, got a little pudgy. You know, lost some hair. Lots of hair. Turned a little gray. But that's the first thing I did because we... You don't have to admit it. I'll, I'll admit it for you. We're self-centered. We think a lot of ourselves out there. 
So I, another thing I was thinking about last or this week while I was studying that, what about the time that you, you got in an argument with somebody? How many, have y'all ever gotten a verbal argument with somebody and, and you lost? What, what did you do? You went home, probably, or you got in your truck and you sat there and you festered over it for a little while, and, and in your mind you're replaying that argument. And in your mind you're replaying what you should have said and how you should have said it. And what happened in your mind once you replayed it the way that you should have done it? Did you win or did you lose? You won every time, didn't you? You won every argument in your mind. Have you ever lost an argument in your mind? No, because we're self-centered, because it's about you. That's, that's, that's the problem that we're dealing with right now. We have our, our self-centeredness is so deep right now, we've pushed God out the way, and we have, we, we're not inside his will anymore. We're not where we need to be. We're, right where, we're in the me church right now. It's all about what's going on in here. That's what we're focused on. And God's saying, we've got to get away from that. When you hear the name Jesus, it ain't about you, it's about him. When we celebrate Christmas, it's not about the gifts that we're going to receive. It's about the gift that we received from heaven. That's what we need to be celebrating. That's what we've got to remember when we hear the name Jesus. Put a big smile on and call him yours. He's mine. I'm happy with him. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm tickled to death that I've got a Savior. I don't have to sacrifice anything else. I don't have to work my way into heaven. I've accepted him as my Savior, and all I can do now is work after salvation. All I can do is praise him as much as I can and do as much as I can for him while I'm here on earth. But the reason this is our greatest problem here on earth, the sin, is because of what Paul preaches. He says in Romans six twenty three, we all know it, for the wages of sin is death. Every time you sin, you die a little more. Every time you sin, you, you die just a little bit more. I, I've read that and I've seen that a lot and I guess my grandpa may have been one he must not have sinned very much if he died at 101 <laughs> or Mr. Shipley down there below us he's 103 he must not have sinned too much but we, we all die just a little bit more every time we sin we're, we're killing ourselves off every time and, and I, I, I want to read this to you I read it this week and I thought it kind of fell right in line with this everybody knows who Leonardo da, da Vinci is right not, Le- not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Leonardo, but the other Leonardo. He, he was a famous painter and inventor. So I'm going to read this to you real fast. Says one of the mo- he's one of the most famous uh, uh, painters and inventors in the world. And he was one of the most fam- his most famous painting is The Last Supper, where he depicts Jesus eating with his disciples. When da Vinci was preparing to paint this masterpiece, he began seeking uh, for a man who could model the face of Jesus. He found a man who was a singer in a chorus in one of the churches in Rome. This man was lovely in life, and his features were perfect. This young man's name was Petro Benedili. Every year, or I'm sorry, for many years past, uh, the painting remained unfinished. Da Vinci was able to finish everything but the final character, who was Judas. He could not find a, a face that represented to him the ugliness of Judas's heart. So Da Vinci began looking long and hard to find a man whose face reflected horror and ugliness, a man with a face children would scream and run from. He found a man on the streets of Rome, a beggar, with a face so horrible and valonious that he shredded, shredded when he looked at it. Da Vinci hired the man to sit as his model for Judas and painted his face on the canvas. When Da Vinci was finished and he was about to dismiss the man, he said, By the way, I have not asked your name. The man replied, My name is Petro Benedili. 
I also set for you as a model for Christ. That's kind of a picture of sin. Sin will take 10 years off your life and add 20 on your face. When you get to wallowing in sin, it will absolutely destroy you. And I'm not talking about destroying you uh, physically, but emotionally, spiritually. Sin will absolutely break you down. So we needed a Savior. So that, yeah, we're still going to sin, but now we can ask for forgiveness. We needed a Savior so that when it's time for us to go, when it's time for us to die, we can or we should have already made a decision in our hearts where we wanted to be. Who are we going to worship? Who are we going to place as our Savior? Jesus. And with that in our hearts, now when it's time to go, we go to heaven. That's what we're supposed to do. We have free will. We can do whatever we want to. You pick and choose what you want. But sin to life is what rust is to metal. You ever, you ever seen, any, you got any metal out there at the farm? Anything seized up? <laughs> you keep w, uh, 10W40 or whatever that is on like big old gallon cans? Yeah. That's what happens. Sin to life is what rust is to metal. It destroys it. Sin to life is what a virus can do to a computer. Y'all ever got a virus on your computer? It will destroy a computer. Sin is the life what a stain is to white cloth. You don't, it don't come clean. There's always going to be, I, and I was looking at this, there's, there were stains on this one we, right here. There's white cloth. There's stains on that. I don't know what that is. But I didn't do it, I promise you that. Sin is the life what cancer is to a healthy organ. It destroys it. That's what sin does. It turns one of the most beautiful things in the world into something ugly. We are God's creation. We are God's, we are his children. We are the most beautiful thing that he has ever created. But sin is destroying us. Sin turns us ugly. Sin is wearing us out. Sin, sin is destroying the world right now. But, right there it says, for he shall save his people from their sins. My Bible plainly tells me that Jesus is going to save us from all our sins. But it's only Jesus. It doesn't say we've got to go through Moses. It doesn't say that we need to go pray to the priest. It doesn't say that, that we've got to carry around a little necklace with a bunch of marble stuck on it. We don't, we don't have to do that stuff. My Bible says that when we pray, that we pray in Jesus' name. And when we pray... We got Jesus as our intercessor. And even when we can't pray, we got the Holy Spirit that can hear our groanings. So we've got a Savior. We've got a Jesus. We have, we have someone. We've got, we got someone there to intercede on our behalf when we struggle. We have a Savior, and his name is Jesus. Number two, when I hear someone say the name Jesus, I'm reminded of the greatest news any person could ever hear. So y'all probably tickled to death right now that after all that talk about sin, you want to hear some good news, don't you? What's the greatest news that you could ever hear? I tell you that one of the, the greatest things I've ever heard in my life to come out of somebody's mouth is congratulations, it's a girl. 
Then you get to hear it again. Congratulations, it's another girl. But then I got to hear, congratulations, you're going to be an uncle. And now I've got two boys. That's some good news, ain't it? That's great news. I love that news. I loved it. Whenever uh, Chris and Travis announced that they were pregnant after I hogtied her up here in front of everybody, do you remember that? <laughs> I felt awful. <laughs> I'm glad that wasn't recorded. <laughs> that would have been bad. <laughs> or was it? I don't remember. That's great news. We all want to hear that news. But what's the greatest news that you could ever hear? Congratulations, you won $10 million. Don't forget to tithe. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Congratulations, you're hired. Ain't that good news? Don't you like to hear that? Congratulations. You, you've worked hard. You've, you've put in all the time and effort. You've studied and, and you've prepared for this job interview. And then you hear, Congratulations, you're hired. That's good news. That's great news. Congratulations. You've been saved from your sins. That's great news. I've never said that. People come and they, they come to the altar and they get saved. I don't know that I've ever said, congratulations, you've been saved from your sins. But that's what happens when you get saved. You've been saved from your sins. That's great news. That's something to rejoice about. The, the Bible even tells us that the, the angels are rejoicing over the one. If they're rejoicing, why ain't we rejoicing? I'll never forget when we was down at Beach Valley. Daniel Davis said that one time. We, we had, I don't know, we had 13 or so saved down there. And we had, I mean, it was like, what do we do? Congratulations, you're saved. Let's go eat cookies or something. We didn't know what to do. We were so excited. We didn't know how to, exactly how to celebrate. It had been a while since it had that kind of movement through the church. And it was like, what do we do? We just, you know, smile and hug and snot and, and, and all the stuff that comes with it. But what do we do? We, we just say, congratulations, you're saved from your sins. Congratulations, we got one back from the devil. Congratulations, I'll see you in heaven. That's great news right there. Matthew said, for he shall save his people from their sins. Folks, that's the greatest news that you could ever hear. There is a Savior. That is good news. You have an opportunity. You have chance to not go to hell because there is a savior the bad news is we're going to face big problems the good news is god sent a solution that's the good news there is a solution there is a problem solver a great problem solver and that'd be jesus so we have uh, we have this good news a solution and we all know it. he sent his only begotten son john three sixteen plainly tells us what a gift what a package for us for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is good news. I love it. We got it still on the billboard down there in Vilas. I don't know how many years it's been on that billboard, but it's John 3, 6. All these little Baptist churches get together every year and renew the contract with the sign company. John three sixteen every year. Right there on, on 421 tickles me. And there's another. And what's the one that just says Big Jesus? I don't remember what the rest of it says. Right there at B&B. Tickles me. I love it. I love driving. I love it. You just you look at it and you just smile. And say, that's my Jesus they're talking about. It was love that moved God to send Jesus to earth. It was love that moved Jesus to hang on the cross for all of us. That's love. That's glorious love. That's that agape love that we talk about a lot. That's that big God-sized love that we just can't comprehend. That's a big love right there. 
But a lot of times we think that we can just cover up sin's ugly head and pretend like it's not there. But guess what? It's going to come back. It's going to unburrow itself, and it's going to bite you. That's what sin does. It bites, and it bites hard. We might be able to cover it up for a little while, but it'll wiggle its way back out just like a snake, that old serpent, and it's going to bite you. But Jesus, he had compassion on us. Psalms 103.13 says, Like as a father uh, pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. God loves you, and he's going to give you grace. God loves you, and he's going to give you mercy. Because God loves you. Because he loves you. Get up this morning. I, I love, I don't know what it is about Sunday mornings. I love to get up and just get my coffee and just look outside. I, we don't live in the prettiest place in the world. We live in a holler beside about 100 cows and some loud neighbors. But I can look up on that hill and I can watch that sunrise. I love it. I just love to get up and just think, not think, but no. Good morning. My mercy's new. Good morning. He's refreshing that grace. Good morning. Jesus loves you. Ain't that a good way to think of it? When you get up, I don't care if you drink coffee or not. You don't know what you're missing if you don't, Maria. But it's just good to get up and say, Jesus still loves me. I might have went to bed last night mad at something or the world or whatever. But I got up this morning, and you know what? Jesus didn't change. He still loves me. He might love me more today. I don't know. The greatest news that you will ever hear is that God loves you and that he sent his only begotten son for you. For you. Number three, finally, when I hear someone say, the name of Jesus, I'm reminded that the greatest decision every person faces. I'm reminded when I hear Jesus of the greatest decision that each one of us can ever make. And it's a big decision. As you know, life, it's a series of choices. We make choices. We make our own choices. And with those choices, we have consequences. Again, sin will bite you. When you choose to sin... There's consequences with that sin. But it's more than just choosing who you should marry. It's more than just choosing where you should work. It's more than just choosing where you should live. It's about choosing whether or not you will accept Jesus in your heart. It's about choosing whether or not you feel like you need a Savior. And I can make that decision for you and tell you, yes, you need a Savior, but you have to ask Him into your heart. I can't do that for you. Have you decided to make Jesus your Lord and Savior? Have you decided to have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ? The reason is, I want you to think of it this way. The decisions that we make here on earth are all temporary. Really. They're all temporary. That person that you married... I want you to think of it this way. You may have married the wrong person, but they can become the right person through managing your marriage. I, didn't, I ain't throwing no divorce out there. I ain't talking about that. I believe that you can work through it. You may have chose the wrong person, but through work, 
you can make that marriage work. You may have chosen the wrong job, but you can change that job, right? Yeah, you can change that job. might be difficult, but yeah, you can change that job. You might have moved to a place that you don't like. And so you can move locations if you want to. If you don't like the climate where you live, move. Or wait five minutes if you live in Watauga. It just seems like, like that. It just changes. may do that up here too. But we can make changes. We can change things here. If we don't like it, we'll change it. But if you don't make the right choice when it comes to salvation, then you're going to face a, a final consequence. You're going to face an eternal consequence. If you don't make the choice while you're alive now to serve Jesus and follow him, you're not going to get another chance. When you're dead and gone, you're dead and gone. When you're dead and gone, if you haven't accepted Jesus, you're dead and gone to hell. And there's no turning back. You're going to be like that, that rich man, and you're going to want that little drop of water on your tongue. And you're going to want people that are still alive to be able to go tell your family about hell and how hot it is and, and the torment and all the memories that are coming flooding back into your mind. You're going to want that, but you can't do a thing about it because you're done in hell, and you can't change it. So we have a decision to make. Jesus said more about hell than he did heaven. I think that's pretty important. You know, I've always said if it's in the Bible, well, if it's in the Bible, period, it's important. But if you continue to read it and it's repetitive and, it, and Jesus himself talking about hell, 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 it's a real place, folks. It's as real as heaven is. But when Jesus himself is just, just keeps talking about hell, he's wanting to prevent you from going to hell. He wants you to accept him for who he is and what he has done for you so that you don't have to get that, that, that eternity in hell, that, the torment. And like I said, the memory. I'm sure that the wailing and the gnashing of teeth is bad, but the fact that all these memories are just going to be flooding your mind for, the, for eternity about all the opportunities and all the chances you had to be saved and you let them go and you didn't do nothing but reject Jesus, that's going to haunt you the rest of your life. A decision has to be made, and that decision, which it's, it's got the greatest consequences that you'll ever experience, that decision, the consequences, again, are eternal. Jesus, consequence, it's a good consequence, is eternity in heaven. Reject Jesus, the consequence is eternity in hell. And Jesus, he paid a high price for, for coming to earth and allowing himself to be crucified. And I'm going to read this to you over in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 5, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every, and every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and the things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The end of that verse, I love it, tells us that one day you and I, we're going to bow down. One of these days, 
we're going to confess. We're, hopefully we're all confessing it now, but we're going to confess it then. Jesus Christ is Lord. All of us. Sinner or saint, don't matter. Heaven bound, hell bound, it don't matter. We're all going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even the demons know who he is. Split hell wide open. And I guarantee you they're down there trembling. I've said this before. Some of y'all probably heard it. There's no atheist in hell. There's not an atheist one in hell. When they get there, they're going to realize there was a God, or there is a God. Jesus Christ is Lord. We're all going to confess it. One day, I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to close out here in just a moment. I think I've said this, or I've read this to you all before, but I really like this. And this is a, a really good picture of the Holy Spirit. There's this little boy, and he's out one day, it was windy, and he's flying his kite. He had that kite just soaring up in the, in the air. And then as he was flying, a front come through, and the clouds got a little low, and his kite got up in a little bit high in the clouds there, and you couldn't even see it. So he's sitting there with his little string, and that kite doing th- stuff that he couldn't even see. And this old man walked up to him, and he said, Sir, what are you doing? He said, I'm flying my kite. He said, I don't see no kite. How do you know it's there? He said, every now and then I can feel a tug. That's the Holy Spirit. Every now and then we're going to walk through this life, and we're going to feel like we're alone. But every now and then we're going to get a little tug from God, and we're going to know he's there. We're going to get a little tug on our heart, and he's going to say, I'm still here. I'm still right here. I ain't left you. Every time at Christmas, or any time, I don't care if it's Christmas or not, anytime you hear the name of Jesus, I, I hope you feel a little tug on your heart, and it puts a little smile on your face. Jesus. Tug. I love it. Just a little tug to know he's still there. Do you feel like... God might be tugging on your heart a little bit this morning. I mean, really, just maybe this morning, and it may not be salvation. Maybe it's just God moving you to do something. I don't know what it is. Maybe God's just tugging your heart just a little bit, saying, I'm still here. Maybe we just need that little reminder saying, I ain't left you. You know, I'm not quarantined up here in heaven. I'm still right down there with you. I'm still hanging out. If you feel a tug on your heart from him. I want you to mind him. He's going to talk to you. He's going to tug on you. That's that little wake up. That's that tap on the shoulder. He's going to move you a little bit. But I want you to listen to him. And whatever that still small voice says to you, go with it. Kind of like we was preaching on last week. You know, uh, Elijah. It wasn't an earthquake, it wasn't fire, it wasn't the wind that stirred him. God didn't use that stuff. Nothing major like that. He, he used the still small voice to speak to him. God's doing the same with us. As he tugs on your heart and he speaks to you, listen. If it's salvation, mind him. If, you're being, if you've been under conviction... Mind him. But maybe he just asked you to to take a step of faith. Move outside your comfort zone and do something. I don't know. But when you feel the tug, mind him. When you feel that tug, stand with me just a moment. We're going to close out. I love that tug.
appreciate everybody coming out tonight and uh, or today, and, and uh, I, I would love for y'all to come back tomorrow night if you can. Uh, we'll be here at 7. We're going to do a, a little candlelight service. I just want to, just got a little little message I want to preach on, on the light of the world, and I invite y'all to, to come back here and be with us, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've missed y'all. It's funny, I was telling one of the preachers the other day, I said, my, I feel like Chestnut, they'll see more of me this year, and I've seen them. <laughs> y'all get to see me about every day. I don't see none of y'all. <laughs> but I've I've enjoyed it. Um, I miss y'all. I'm telling you, it's tough. We'll get back in here. It'll 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 get better here soon. We'll we'll get back in here. All right. Anybody have anything on their heart this morning as we as we close out? He hears it. He hears it. Anyone else? We got uh, quite a few at the church here that I know they're listening this morning, and uh, and I appreciate them um, watching online right now. And I understand some of the circumstances and uh, for health reasons. Um, I'm just thankful we got Keith here, and and we can do this thing live so they can hear. Because, uh, folks. To my knowledge, we're about the only church left in Avery County that ain't had a case. That says a lot. So just keep minding the Lord and keeping it safe. Let's pray. Father, this morning as uh, we dismiss, as we close, God, I pray that uh, if there be one here in this sanctuary, Lord, if there be one listening, and there's a, a tug on that heart, if there's a movement of the Holy Spirit through their body right now, God, I pray that they would stop what they're doing they'd listen to that still small voice. Lord, if it be a salvation tug, Lord, if, it's a, if there's a lost soul that's here this, to the, this morning, if there's a lost soul that's sitting in their recliner right now listening to this thing, God, if, if, if it's true, God, if it is real, Father, I pray that you would break them down, get them on their knees, have them on their face. Father, would they come to see the, the error in their ways, that they'd see that they are sinner and that they need a Savior. And that Savior's right there with them at this moment. And Lord, we thank you for that. God, I thank you so much for being present in our lives, being present in our homes, being present here in this church. Lord, we thank you for being real. God, we thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that we can continue to, uh, to honor you the best that we can. We can praise you, God, the best that we can. And Father, I know that when we get to heaven, that we'll be able to have eternity to do what we can't do here on earth. And Lord, that be the thank you for all that you've done, all the goodness, all the love, all that grace, all that mercy that you keep giving us on a daily basis. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, I'll be back on here tomorrow morning. And we'll see you all tomorrow night if you can be here. <laughs>